0: realizing okay that's what he's after he wants my complete undivided attention and guess what <laughs> he's gotten exactly that and I'm thinking I have to stop this behavior immediately I absolutely do not want him to learn that this is the way he gets my attention I'd like to start by paying my respects to the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is made, the Pindarup people, and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community. I pay my respects to them and their culture and honour their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of My Horse Taught Me That, the podcast all about equine behavior, horse-human relationships, and training concepts that not only help us build an amazing relationship with our horse, but also with the other animals and people in our lives too. I'm your host, Sarah Jackson from Equestrian Balance, and I'm an equine behavior geek. I'm going to teach you how to get the behavior that you want, whilst also building the relationship that you want with your horse. Naughty WTF. Do you have a naughty horse or perhaps a naughty child? I am so grateful to be a parent. Parenting a toddler, however, can be really full on. On this particular day... I was cooking dinner in the kitchen and we've got a baby gay across the kitchen entrance. So my son's in the open plan living area on the other side. So I can keep an eye on him and I can listen out when I'm focused on what I'm doing. He wasn't verbal at that stage, but I can hear him chatting away to himself. And from that, you know, I can gauge his mood and I can get his general location. all of a sudden, I hear this kind of alarm squawk sound and I look up and here he is. He's climbed up onto the top of the couch, onto the back of the couch. And when he sees me look up at him, he kind of crows with delight and makes as if he's about to jump off the back of the couch. He's about 18 months at that stage and we've got tiled floors. so I'm imagining the worst. I launch myself over that baby gate so fast. I don't think I have moved that fast across our living room ever to go and get him. And as I'm racing across the living room to kind of get him in time before he launches off the back of the couch, in my brain, part of me is like, oh my God, child, like it's just taken years of my life. And in the other half of my brain, I'm like, I remember last weekend, my partner and I were sitting on the couch having a chat with our son. And whilst we were there chatting, he started to climb up the back of the couch and we both stopped what we were doing to get him to come down so whilst he learned we didn't want him to climb on the back of the couch he also learned that when he did that he got both parents immediate undivided attention and so I'm realizing okay that's what he's after he wants my complete undivided attention and guess what he's Gotten exactly that immediate undivided attention. I'm racing across that living room to wrap my arms around him and pluck him off the back of the couch. And I'm thinking, I have to stop this behavior immediately. I absolutely do not want him to learn that this is the way he gets my attention. I absolutely do not want him to start threatening to throw himself off things in order to get my attention. That is n- n- not what I want him to learn. So I wrap my arms around him, I pluck him off the back of the couch and we go and we sit and we read some stories for about 10 minutes and then I take him into the kitchen and he helps me make the rest of the dinner. Now why did I do that instead of punishing him for climbing on the back of the couch or telling him off or taking some direct action to try and stop that behaviour? Well, yeah, 100% I want that behaviour to stop but I recognized in that moment what the underlying need was that wasn't being met that was causing him to do that behavior. He wanted my attention. He'd chosen a method of getting it that I didn't like, and I didn't want to encourage in the future. But right now, what he needs is my attention because that was what he was trying to get. So, so I gave him that, and and then I made a plan that next time I'm in that situation where there's a baby gate or whatever and he can't access me, then I need to pay better attention. I obviously wasn't paying enough attention to those other cues that he would have been giving prior to getting up on the back of the couch and threatening to jump off it in order to get my attention. He would have been doing other things and I obviously wasn't paying enough close attention to those to catch it in time. So in future, that's what I need to do. I need to pay more attention. And so I really did. And, you know, I made a point of okay, I'll stop what I'm doing if he really needs me and we'll go out and I'll spend some time with him. If I knew I was about to go and do those kind of things, I'd try and fill his cup up before I did that. Or I'd just bring him in with me. And that approach was really successful. We haven't had any repeats of that behavior of climbing up onto the couch and threatening to jump off the back of the couch thank goodness. So that was how I kind of went about addressing that. But the reason I knew to do that was because I learned how to do it with my horses. I learned that whenever they're behaving in ways that I find undesirable is because there's a reason, there's some kind of unmet need or they're trying to express something that's important to them. And if I can listen to that underlying need and respond to that, then that is going to solve my problem much better than just trying to stop the behavior that's happening as a result of it. I hear people referring to their horses as naughty a lot and to be fair, I can totally relate. I mean, who doesn't find it super annoying when their horse pushes over the wheelbarrow of manure Again, when all you want to do is just finish up your chores and go and put your feet up and have a class of wine. Like, so frustrating. Last winter, our horses busted the float valve on the water trough a number of times. And my wonderful partner, whose job it was to fix that float valve again, used some pretty colorful language to describe the horses and totally get where he's coming from. I mean, it's super annoying to have to fix stuff, again, that's been broken for apparently no legitimate reason. One of the things that I've noticed is that we typically use that label of naughty when our horse or our child has done something that frustrates us or annoys us. Perhaps they do something that we might find a little bit amusing or. Embarrassing, even, but there's often this element of frustration with the behavior that's going on. But where we go wrong in our human brains is to make this connection that the horse is doing this behavior deliberately to frustrate us. So, yeah, they're doing it deliberately, but not to frustrate us. They've got legitimate reasons for behaving in the way that they do. Think about my son climbing on the back of the couch. Like, oh my lord, he stressed me out, but he wasn't doing that behavior to stress me out. He was doing that behavior to get my attention. He had a legitimate reason. In his world, it was a legitimate need to get my attention. Where we can run into trouble with this is that if we interpret a frustrating behavior that our horse does as naughty, And a deliberate attempt to frustrate, embarrass or annoy us, then it can start to feel like a battle that we need to win and we can feel justified, obligated even, to punish them for that behaviour in order to get the behaviour to stop. The problem with this is that when we engage in a battle with our horse, not only does our relationship suffer, but we're also not addressing the root cause of that behaviour So even if we are successful in getting that behaviour to stop, the chances are pretty high that some other unwanted behaviour is going to pop out because the underlying reason for it hasn't been addressed. A far better way of dealing with frustrating and naughty behaviour is to ask ourselves WTF? In this case, what's the function? And WTF in this instance is an acronym that we have the wonderful Susan Friedman to thank for. Susan runs the amazing Living and Learning with Animals course, which I will link up in the show notes if you're interested. All behavior has a function, a reason for occurring. Horses don't do things to be annoying. They do things to meet their underlying needs, to get things that they want and avoid things that they don't want, and to communicate with us. So we need to ask ourselves, what is the function of the behavior that we're seeing our horse do? So this unwanted behavior that we're labeling as naughty, you know, why are they doing that? What underlying need could they be trying to meet by doing that behavior? Are they trying to communicate with us? Is there something they're trying to get or avoid by doing that behavior? And this is really where the rubber meets the road, because if we can uncover the reason for the behavior or the function of that behavior, then we can help them get whatever they're trying to get or avoid whatever they're trying to avoid before we get to the point where that behavior occurs. So it just doesn't happen. Total win, right? This is where we need to get inside the mind of our horse a little bit more and ask ourselves, what do horses care about in general? And what does my horse care about? the most right now in this moment when that unwanted behavior is occurring. And I can 100% guarantee you that making your life difficult or embarrassing you is not at the top of that list. In fact, it doesn't even make it onto the list of things that your horse cares about. So what do our horses care about? Their herd, uh, especially any individuals within that herd that they might be closely bonded with. They care about eating. All of the time they care about eating. In fact, we don't want our horses to go longer than about two hours without eating or having the opportunity to access food. They care about moving and exploring their world. They care about building affiliative or enjoyable relationships with each other and with the humans around them. They care about avoiding Scary or painful situations. So let's talk about some examples of how this might play out. Back when my mare Evita was a yearling, I didn't know a lot of the stuff that I know now. And so when I weaned her, she was in an individual paddock on her own. I still had the same three horses that I've got now, but they were all in individual paddocks adjacent to each other. So they could see each other and they could kind of interact but they weren't in full contact with each other. And when I went out to do my chores for the day and pick up the poo in Evita's paddock, she would be right up there in my face and she wanted to interact with me and she was playing with the wheelbarrow and invariably that wheelbarrow would tip over multiple times whilst I was trying to fill it up and take the poo away. So whilst her behaviour could be labelled as naughty, it wasn't being done to frustrate or annoy me. In fact, the opposite. She really wanted to engage me in play and in social interaction because those were the things that she craved at that particular moment in her life. Now, if I'd known then what I know now, I would have done things totally differently. I would have provided her with suitable companions 24-7 and probably this whole behaviour would have just never occurred because her need for companionship and play would have been met by those companions I wouldn't put her in this situation again but at the time I was doing the best I could with what I knew so she was in an individual paddock and her only opportunity to have any interaction with anyone was when I went in to pick up the poo so I used that to train her to stand a bit back from the wheelbarrow. So I would give her some scratches and some attention whenever she was standing in a place where it was physically impossible for her to touch the wheelbarrow. If she was doing that, I went up to her and gave her some scratches and some attention, which is what she really craved. And so she learned really, really fast. It was a very effective technique at getting her to stop pushing that wheelbarrow over because it gave her what she was really needing which was some interaction with another being and so it was a pretty intense full-on time but I would much rather spend a bit of extra time scratching on my horse and loving on her than picking up the same poo three or four times because she tipped over the wheelbarrow. I want to have a look now at the situation I described earlier where our horses broke the float valve on the water trough multiple times last winter. Now last winter our horses were confined to about 300 meters of our surface track area and the reason for that is that our property floods during winter and so this was the only area that actually was, had a, a suitable surface for them to walk on that was going to stay firm and dry. Now, along that track, they had uh, a shelter, they had their obviously their water trough, they had a hay station and, and a scratching post and some shade trees and a uh, big sand pit to lie down in. So they had all of the essentials that they could kind of move between and access as and when they needed, but it was pretty boring. There was no new grass or new areas to explore. And, you know, this was two or three months that it went on. And so the playing with the water trough float became, you know, a thing that they did to alleviate that boredom. And breaking it was just kind of the result of playing with it a little bit too exuberantly. So our plans to address that for this winter are that we have a a track extension so part of that track will make a loop around rather than being kind of a horseshoe shape we'll have a loop and so hopefully that will encourage a little bit more movement and exploration. We're also going to intermittently add picked grass and trimmed branches from edible trees onto their track so that they can have those as enrichment items to kind of just make things more interesting and keep things a little bit fresh. Now none of them are ridden at the moment but I do have plans to take them out on walks and we have been working on that so they're more comfortable with being separated and so I can take them out one by one and they can go for a little bit of a walk around the neighborhood and graze on whatever's on the side of the road. So that will hopefully help to keep things a little bit interesting for them. We've also done a lot of work putting in drainage around the property over the last year. So we're hoping that that is going to reduce the amount of time overall that they need to be locked up on the small track. Another example I'd like to talk about is with my first horse, Misty. Now, Misty was a confirmed pourer. Whenever she was tied up, the chances were pretty high that she was going to be pawing with one or other or alternately with both front legs. It was quite typical for her to, if she wasn't tied up on a hard standing, to actually dig quite a substantial hole because this behavior was so extreme. But she was my first horse and I didn't really know any better. I just thought that that's what she did when she was tied up. Now, I didn't know this at the time. But pawing is an emancipated behaviour. So that means uh, a normal behaviour that a horse would do taken out of context. So in the wild, a horse might use that pawing behaviour to move snow off plants so that they can eat, or they might use it to break ice off a water source so that they can drink. And typically what we see is that these behaviours pop out Whenever a horse is frustrated, so if you think about it, the horse wants to eat grass that's covered in snow or, you know, bushes or whatever that are covered in snow, they're going to be feeling a bit frustrated. They, they're, then they're going to pour to remove that snow. The feeling of frustration goes away. They get to access what they want. And so it becomes a behavior that often will pop out when they are feeling frustrated because they don't know how to kind of get what they want. And oftentimes Misty would do this behavior when I had her tied up, but it would be typically I was removing her from her companions, taking her quite a long way away in some instances to tie her up where she could no longer see those companions or she was a significant distance away from them. And that was frequently, looking back now, the cause of her frustration and her pawing. Now fast forward to when I brought her home to my own property and I'd set up the design of that property such that the tie-up area was adjacent to the yards and whenever I had to do anything with any of the horses, I'd bring all of the horses in. So all of the horses would go into their individual yards and then I'd just take out whoever I needed to do whatever in that tie-up area. So they were all really close by each other And they all could see each other and they weren't being taken very far away in order to do whatever I wanted. And that pawing behavior completely disappeared. It just never happened again. Remember, this was a really well-established behavior. This was something she'd been doing to an extreme for many, many years, like probably 15 years before I ended up having my own property to bring her to and it just disappeared overnight because of the setup because I was meeting that need. That tyre was close enough that she didn't feel that she was distanced from her companions and she had full view of all of them. So there was no reason for her to engage in that behaviour anymore. She wasn't feeling that frustration. Does your horse do something? annoying, frustrating or embarrassing, I challenge you to ask yourself, what is the function of that behavior? Because if we can get to the bottom of what the function is and address that, then we can just completely eliminate the behavior from happening. It's just poof, gone because there's no need for your horse to do that behavior anymore. So the questions that I want you to think about are, firstly, are all of your horse's needs met? So the three key needs are going to be having companions and full contact access to companions, having 24-7 access to forage and having space to move around. Ask yourself, What do I think my horse really wants? What could they be wanting by doing this behavior? Are they trying to get to something? It might be really obvious. They may be trying to drag you over to the beautiful fresh green grass on the side of the driveway. Or conversely, is there something that they're trying to avoid? And typically when horses are doing avoidance type behaviors, then they're trying to get away from things that they find scary or things that they find painful. So, then our job is going to be to try and figure out what is the scary thing and can we remove it from the environment or can we teach our horse to gradually accept that thing and not be scared of it anymore? So, is there a way that we can remove that fear from the equation? Pain can be a little more difficult, but have a look at our horse's behavior so that can give us a clue. So, we want to look at the behavior that they're doing and when it's occurring. So if our horse is bucking after a jump, it's possibly because it's hurting when they land. There's potentially some kind of pain going on in that exact moment when it's happening, when that when we're seeing that unwanted behaviour. But the other thing is that horses can start to avoid the predictor of the thing. If riding in general is painful because their saddle's a bit too tight and it hurts their back, then you might find them avoiding going into the arena or avoiding going and standing at the mounting block or being very difficult to put the saddle on. Those kinds of things are all predictors of being ridden. So if being ridden is painful in any way, then we can start to see behavior problems coming out with the predictors of being ridden. So if your horse is doing anything that you think Mm, perhaps there could be an element of pain involved somewhere. It's always a good idea to get your vet out to come and do a thorough vet check. So it's really worth doing this exercise and to ask ourselves what is the function of this unwanted behavior? Because if we can get to the bottom of that, if we can address the root cause or the function of the behavior. The horse has just got no reason to perform that unwanted, quote unquote, naughty behavior anymore. And voila, it's fixed. And sometimes those fixes can be really straightforward and simple. So I really encourage you to do this exercise and to think about what could be the function of any unwanted behavior that your horse is presenting. To wrap up. I like to reiterate some of the key points that I've discussed. So, Firstly, the word naughty tends to be used to describe behaviours that a horse does that we find frustrating. And where we go wrong with this is if we feel that the horse is doing the behaviour deliberately to frustrate us because that can set us up to want to punish the horse because we want to stop the behaviour. And when we engage in a battle with our horse like that, That can really damage our relationship. So secondly, all behavior has a function, a reason for occurring. Horses don't do things to be frustrating and annoying. They just don't. Our job is then to figure out what that underlying reason is. The third point is that by figuring out the underlying reason or the function of the behavior, then we can address that and that means that we can totally stop this unwanted behaviour without having to engage in a battle with our horse, which does wonders for our relationship. And lastly, remember that this stuff applies to everyone, not just horses. So if there's someone else in your life whose behaviour is frustrating or annoying or otherwise unpleasant, Ask yourself what might be going on for them to cause them to behave that way, and what can you do in that moment to help them have a better day? Well, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on what has been the very first episode of My Horse Taught Me That. I look forward to coming to your eardrums soon with episode two, where we are going to talk more about equine behavior, horse-human relationships, and training concepts that not only help you build an amazing relationship with your horse, but also with the other animals and people in your life too. If you've enjoyed this episode or found the information valuable, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. But more importantly, please don't keep it to yourself. Share this podcast with your friends and help me share it with the world by leaving a five-star rating or review. It really helps other people to find the podcast too. If you're longing to build an amazing relationship with your horse, And you'd like a checklist on ways to get your horse to love being with you then i've got you covered head on over to www.equestrianbalance.com.au forward slash love to get your free copy there's also a load of other free resources that you can access on my website that you might want to check out whilst you're there lastly a big thank you to music unlimited for our groovy soundtrack